Aloha, this is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing Erica Schultz. Erica is here to promote her Kickstarter comic, The Deadliest Bouquet, that starts on May 11th. Erica, welcome to the show. Aloha, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you very much. Um, I'm going to go over, I just want to let our listeners know um, a, a little bit about your history. Um, you have written for um, DC and Marvel Comics. Um, you have written the Comicsology Original Limited Series and the 2020 Ringo nominee, Forgotten Home. It was nominated mm -hmm. for Best Series, Best Writer, Best Cover Artist, Best Inker, Best Letterer. You've also written M3. Um, and also, too, you've written, now correct me if I'm wrong, the 2019 Kickstarter Strange Tales, which encompasses Cheese, a Love Story, the unauthorized <laughs> biography of Winston Churchill, a documentary, and Eve, the immortal lobster. Is, 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 was yes. that a correct a Kickstarter? Okay. Yes, that was, that was a crazy book. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, re I started to read part of um, Cheese, a Love Story last night on Comicsology. It's pretty fun. It, it really is. I like it. Okay, so I'm going to continue on with your history. So you've also, also written The Legacy of Mandrake from Red 5 Comics, Stonebot, Stonebot Comics, King Features, the 2018 Daredevil Annual. You've also written Xeno Warrior Princess Charm for, and Charm for Dynamite. You are an instructor at the Joe Cooper School of Cartoon and Graphic Novels, and you are an editor at Mad Cave Studios. Is that correct? And did I miss anything? Uh, I don't think you missed anything, but it sounds kind of weird when you just hear your resume kind of <laughs> written out like that. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much everything. Uh, I, I think, I mean, I, I also did Swords of Sorrow with Dynamite, and I did a, a short at Vertigo, and uh, I did a few image anthologies. But, I mean, that's pretty, you know, you, you hit the, the, the major points. Oh. Trying to. <laughs> <laughs> you did your research, Jason. You did your research. Thank you. Okay. Um, before we start, I want to give a big shout out to Eric Burnham. Now, yes. he's the writer of the current IDW series Godzilla's Monsters and Protectors and Transformers Beast Wars that are both um, out in comic shops right now. So, Eric, thank yes. you very much for, you know, arranging this. Thank you very much. Eric actually spoke uh, at the school, virtually at the school, the other day. Oh! Um, yeah, because we try and get speakers in to talk to the students, uh, to just give them their own experiences. This way, they're not just hearing things from the instructors over and over. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Oh, that's pretty cool. That was, that's so cool. Okay, so where can listeners follow you on social media? On Twitter, I am Erica Schultz42. Okay. On Instagram, I am Erica Schultz Writes, W R I T E S. And my website is ericaschultzwrites.com. And uh, I have a shop tab there so people can pick up uh, books that have already come out. Um, and all the new books that are coming in, um, we're going to be posting them up in the shop. Okay, great. So, Erica, we're going to start off with your origin story. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in North Jersey, um, yeah. in Bergen County. Um, and uh, my family is, uh, my parents were both, both grew up in New York City. So we would sort of spend weekends in the Bronx. Um, so I, you know, I basically like grew up in North Jersey by way of the Bronx. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then what was your first comic that you read? Um, 
that I read, I would say it was probably uh, Claremont Burn X-Men. Um, I, I was never going out and buying my own comics. I would always just take whatever my older brother had. Mm -hmm. So uh, he would read Claremont Burn X-Men. He would read McFarlane, Michelini, um, Spider-Man. Uh, he would read uh, the Jim Aparo Batman. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's, you know, major titles. I mean, there weren't yeah. any real like indies in there, but um, you know, and then when Claremont, it, when it was like Terry Austin and Jim Lee, and you know, um, we sort of like stuck along with that. Um, and whatever he, whatever he got from the spinner rack is what I would sort of like sneak into his room and steal. <laughs> okay, um, I'm gonna, but let me ask you. So, um, I know you said that you got you know your comics from your older brother. Did did you start to like read? You know, like did you kind of go, I want to read this. This is for me. This title is for me. Um, I just like the idea of telling stories. I, I always loved uh, visual storytelling. I always loved TV and movies and, um, and just storytelling in general. And uh, I, was, I was never a huge reader of novels. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know why. I mean, it could, it, it, to me, sometimes novels are just intimidating, these giant bricks. Yes. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed visual storytelling. Um, and I think that you know, when you talk about sort of like quintessential comics, uh -huh. you really think about, you know, that Claremont run on X-Men. I think it was like 17 years yeah. was his run on X-Men with all these fantastic artists, mm -hmm. especially, you know, the Jim Lee Claremont run. I mean, because the cartoons were mostly based, you know, that uh, X-Men uh, 90s cartoon that came out was yes. mostly based on that, as well as his work with, um, with Austin and uh, Byrne. Um, you think about Death in the Family, uh, yes. Batman, another sort of like really seminal thing, mm -hmm. uh, se uh, you know, seminal crossover that happened. Um, and you think about, you know, the Spider-Man 90s cartoon. Um, a lot of that came from that McFarlane, McElhinney, um, uh, uh run that they did, you know, introducing Venom yes. and, and stuff. So, I mean, it wasn't a matter of like reading the comics and being like, this is for me. It was a matter of just reading and being like, wow, these are really fun, different, interesting stories that, um, I mean, beautiful art too, you know, that just really, that just resonated. Yes. Yes. I know. I understand that, yeah. um, to me, yes, because that, um, X-Men, um, that X-Men, the Claremont burn run. Yes. That's one of my favorites. That is. I mean, cause they had dark Phoenix together. Um, and then, uh, Lee and Claremont had mutant Genesis. Mm -hmm. You know, it really, it, it, it was, I'm trying to think of how to say it. It was basically, it was like, it was like defining. Uh -huh. yes. you know? So when people think about X-Men, the first place that they go a lot of times is, you know, Claremont Byrne, Claremont Lee, yes. you know, that's like, that is where they define it. Same thing with Spider-Man where people, a lot of people think Spider-Man. Yes, of course they think of, you know, uh, Stanley and Ditko, mm -hmm. but they also think of, um, you know, they think of the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man, you know, that, that redesign. Yes. Um, so I think, I think that's, a, you know, that's something that sort of like, you know, anchors in your head that, you know, you'll never sort of like, you can always go X-Men before and X-Men after, but that's like where your starting point. Oh, yes. That, no, that I understand. I do. Okay. So I'm going to continue on. Um, Drew from Comics for Fun and Profit, the co-host for the podcast, he submitted this question. What was your first LCS? 
I didn't really have an LCS growing up um, because my there was um, sort of a five and dime kind of store in town that would sell comics. But then also there was there was a, a, a shop in town. Um, it's a shop called A&S Comics. They were around back in the 80s and 70s. Um, but also they're still around now. I've actually done a few uh, a few signings there. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, yeah. So A&S is still around. Um, but I would say, you know, I didn't have like sort of my own LCS really because uh, when I was living in New York City, I would, you know, go to Midtown, which is, you know, huge. I mean, they have mm -hmm. multiple, um, they have multiple uh, 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 locations, yes. but, you know, Midtown Comics I would go to, I would go to Jim Hanley's. Um, uh, my friends, Sarah and Patrick run a great shop in Wilmington, Delaware, uh, called the Comic Book Shop, and they're fantastic. And uh, I usually will sort of do like online orders uh, of my books through them. Um, I don't remember the shop in college. There was a comic shop that my friend Kevin and I used to go to sometimes, and and he used to play uh, Dean. He used to play Magic there, uh -huh. and I can't remember the name of it, but I I want to say it was either in Bloomfield or West Hartford, uh -huh. um, in, in college. Uh, but it but but I never really had a shop that I would like go to on Wednesdays and always hang out. I think the closest thing now is uh, Dewey's Comic City, um, in Jersey, okay. because. Um, Dewey's is actually in the Kubert School building. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. That's, yeah. <laughs> so um, literally on my lunch break, like my one class ends, I'll go downstairs, you know, pick up some books, you know, talk to people, hang out, you know, see my students there, see what they're reading, have a conversation with them. And then the bell rings, you know, five minutes before next class is going to start and then go back up. So, I mean, I think the closest thing to an LCS that I have right now is Dewey's. And it's really because of the convenience of it literally just being in the building that I'm in already. So I have to say, that's right. Um, because I follow Dewey's on Twitter and that's, mm -hmm. that's gotta be super, well, for me, it'd be, that's super cool to like, you know, the place you work, on your break or like even after you know after work you can you go down to the comic shop just hang out for a bit look around see what's what came out what came in oh that is so on wednesdays though it's tough because sometimes my my students will be like oh i'm just going to the bathroom and then they come back with a dewey's bag and i'm like <laughs> you could have just you could have just told me that you were just going to go down to Dewey's and I'd be like, oh, I would check and see how much work you still owe me yeah, and yeah. then you know, make the decision. Um, but yeah, that's sometimes. Well, you know, I mean, I just I got got diverted. Uh huh. Yes, got <laughs> diverted. Right. The bathroom's down the hall, but Dewey's is like yeah, the bathroom is floor. right there. Dewey's <laughs> is one floor down. You got diverted. Okay. All right. I love that story. I really. I'm sorry. It's okay. I, it, it happens. It happens virtually every Wednesday. It happens because I teach Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and it yeah. literally happens virtually every Wednesday. So. But, but Erica, but Erica, that that variant cover came in, and there was only one left. I had to get it right. That's you know? when you call ahead. That's when you're smart and you call ahead. That's what FOCs are for. That's what the <laughs> pull is. I'm yeah. sorry. That's what you do. You call ahead and you say, I specifically want this cover, this variant cover. Um, when Marvel did Original Sin, there was um, yes. mm -hmm. a Delato cover, a Gabriel Delato cover yeah. with Winter Soldier on it. Okay. That I, I, I don't know if it's acrylic or gouache, but it's fantastic. And so I, I called Sarah at, um, at the comic book shop in Delaware and I said, you know, obviously put this on my pole, but there's a specific variant cover Mm -hmm. that I want to get, mm -hmm. uh, let me know if you can order it. Yeah. And 
it was before the FOC and they were able to, to get it in. But if you want that variant cover, you gotta, you know, you gotta work for that. You gotta, you gotta put the time in. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, Erica, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm gonna keep moving on. Because if not, man, we're, we're just gonna be talking about all these funny stories on the side. But, okay. <clears throat> How did your journey begin breaking into comics? Um, like I said, I always really loved uh, reading comics, and mm -hmm. but it was never something that I thought was actually going to be a career. Uh, I was working in an ad agency, yes. and when um, everybody got laid off in like 2007, 2008, I was looking for uh, other work, and I started working at a studio in New York. Mm -hmm. And while I was at the studio, they were doing some comic book work. And I was really able to see the, uh, the ins and outs and sort of how comic books were made, mm -hmm. which yeah. I think is important because I think a lot of times people will try and say, hey, I'm going to make a comic and really don't know how many moving parts it really is. Yes. And while I was there, I figured, you know, I have all these short stories that I've written. Um, maybe one of them would be good to write as a comic. And yeah. that, became the that became the story M3. Mm -hmm. Um, and Vicente Alcazar, who was the artist and co-creator on that, was one of the other artists uh, within this studio. And uh, I spoke with him about it. I, I gave him the script and, um, and he said he really wanted to do it. So then we launched M3. And I want to say it took us three or four years, but we ended up putting out uh, 12 issues over that period of time. So two trade paperbacks, two yeah. story arcs. And then um, I'm going to say for that um, for that series, um, M3, I know it's on Comixology. Is it available on your website as well? It is. Uh, so what we did was we did a relaunch and we have four smaller trade paperbacks. Mm -hmm. So the uh, issues one, and two, one, two, and three are in one and mm -hmm. then four, five, six, and then so on. Um, and those are available on the website on ericashultzwrites.com. Um, and uh, you can get them on Comixology, they're uh, absolutely on Comixology, um, but you, if you want to get them in print, they are on the website, yeah. Oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Okay, so um, as we already spoke about that, you know, you're an instructor at the Joe Kubert School. Um, I've already mentioned that you are an editor at um, Mad Cave Studios. Mm -hmm. Now, in all this, you know, where did the story, The Deadliest Bouquet, came from? Honestly, I, I, I genuinely don't even know where any of these stories come from. Uh, they just sort of just pop in my head. Uh, I was on the phone with uh, Liana Kangas, who's a fantastic creator and artist. Um, she used to live down the street from me uh, and, and we used to hang out a lot. And then uh, she moved away. So we were spending more time on the phone. And I don't really know where it came from, but I just sort of blurted out like, hey, like, what do you think of this idea about these sisters whose mom, you know, was this sort of like, crazy you know badass assassin nazi hunter and then when the mom dies the sisters sort of have to come together and solve the murder but they kind of hate each other because yeah. you know uh and she's like oh that sounds kind of cool yeah and so i sort of just started developing from that and um originally when the story was conceived it was three story arcs so i had a story arc that started in world war ii Mm -hmm. uh, and it talked about the French resistance mm -hmm. and, and it was very historically based. Yes. And then I had the second story arc that was um, Jasmine and her brother and Jasmine's parents uh, sort of traveling the world, uh, tracking down Nazis that had uh, fled and uh, had fled Germany. Mm -hmm. And um, they were going to sort of hunt them down and assassinate them. And then the third story arc was after, you know, Jasmine left that, that life, mm -hmm. um, went to the United States, uh, met 
uh, Lionel Hawthorne got married and had three kids and then Jasmine ends up dead and these three girls then have to sort of come together. So it was a story of basically like three different generations, like yeah. with crazy stuff going on um, and how that sort of gets embedded into your DNA. Mm -hmm. um, and I was, I had sort of start, started and stopped the story multiple times and I was trying to attack it from multiple angles and nothing seemed to work. So uh, I reached out to James Emmett, who is a fantastic editor and the editor on this book. And I said, look, um, I'm really struggling with this. I'm struggling with really finding the true path of this because every time I started, I always start going off onto these tangents uh -huh. and it's, it's, you know, the story is just turning into a mess. Uh -huh. um, so what he did was he basically took all the sort of half scripts that I had written yeah. on and off mm -hmm. and read through all of them mm -hmm. and then sort of said, okay, take this bit, that bit, that bit, and then put this together. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I understand you have all this great history and everything, mm -hmm. but the real true core story that you need to tell mm -hmm. is this love-hate relationship between these sisters, um, their relationship to each other and their relationship to their mom. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really the core story here. And that, that sort of exploring that drama and that relationship at the backdrop of mm -hmm. this murder mystery yeah. is what really you need to focus on. Mm -hmm. um, so that's once I had that sort of like, this is, this is the way, this is the path, mm -hmm. then I said, okay, yeah, now we're gonna do it. Mm -hmm. um, and we had originally had a publisher that was involved, but then COVID, COVID kind of turned mm -hmm. that upside down. So part of me thought, okay, well, let's wait out this COVID thing, you yeah. know, because this was in the beginning of everything. You know, mm -hmm. let's wait out this COVID thing and see how it goes. But another part of me thought, you know, you've been working on the story on and off for so long. You finally cracked it. Just keep going forward. Like, don't, don't stop the momentum. Mm -hmm. So I, I spoke with James. I was like, what about, you know, a Kickstarter? You know, I'm not thrilled about doing a Kickstarter, but... But James has had a lot of experience with Kickstarters, with oh. I Am Hexed, with uh, 451 Inc. And, and, and other projects that he really said, he's like, I think this is absolutely, you know, doable uh, for Kickstarter. So, you know, then we started thinking, okay, let's sort of shift our mindset from going with a, a, a specific publisher and, yeah. and that route to now shifting the mindset to Kickstarter and, you know, preparing for that and, you know, social media campaign and mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. Um, I, I, I know you, um, I'm going to ask, do you, do you want to add anything else to the, um, to the story of the deadliest bouquet? I know you, you mentioned that it's a strength, you know, three sisters that don't like each other. They're trying to solve their, the murder of their, um, their mother who is, is now correct me if I'm wrong, is a, is a Nazi hunter, correct? Yes. Um, oh. so and without so the, giving any spoilers, sorry. <laughs> there, no, no spoilers, don't worry. I've been, <laughs> trust me, I've been, I've been like trying to like edit myself of what I can and can't say. So um, the story really starts with the murder of Jasmine. Uh, Jasmine has these three daughters, Rose, Poppy, and Violet. And each daughter is very, very unique. Um, mm -hmm. Jasmine trained her daughters as she herself was trained uh, in the art of espionage and assassination. And each daughter sort of took that, uh, took that information and took that training in, in, a, in a unique way. Mm -hmm. Violet really relished it and really loved having like this sort of power of mm -hmm. knowing things like this. Um, Poppy, who's the middle daughter, really hated the idea of having to keep secrets from friends mm -hmm. and, um, and really hated the idea of like 
you know, having to then isolate herself, mm-hmm. you know, only being with the family because, you know, God forbid you let something slip, the cops could show up kind of yes. thing because of all this, you know, mm-hmm. really uh, ecstatic thing. Um, and Rose, uh, you know, being the oldest, as, as like a lot of old, you know, oldest kids will, mm-hmm. you know, be like, okay, I'm going to be the leader now. I'm going to be the mm-hmm. responsible one. Um, it's, it's my responsibility to keep my sisters in line kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so each one of them took their own sort of uh, uh, perspective on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jasmine was a kind of a controlling mom. She really was. Mm-hmm. Um, and each sister had a resentment, not only for Jasmine, but also had a resentment for each other. So, you know, they had all sort of gone off, done their own thing. Rose mm-hmm. stayed with Jasmine, but made her own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Poppy got married, had some kids kept her family at a very, you know, far distance. Mm-hmm. And Violet was, uh, was doing modeling and basically sort of freelancing as, as an assassin as well. Um, and each sister sort of built their own little life. Mm-hmm. Then when Jasmine is murdered, they have to converge again. And so you have these three women that haven't lived under the same roof for mm-hmm. 10 years, mm-hmm. give or take, um, have sort of reinvented themselves for how they want to, to you know, out, out of the shadow yes. of this family. And then you're sort of sucked back in. So Poppy's got a husband and two kids. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't want her husband to know mm-hmm. really how dysfunctional her family upbringing mm-hmm. was. Like he knows that it wasn't, you know, normal, yeah. but he has no idea how, uh, how crazy it really was. Mm-hmm. Um, Violet, who's been living 100% freedom, Mm-hmm. is now coming back and feeling, you know, sort of the, uh, being under the thumb of her two older sisters now, because mm-hmm. now, you know, Rose is, of course, like, well, I'm the oldest, I'm making the decisions and mm-hmm. you have to fall in line. Yeah. And, you know, Poppy will usually be the one to be like, yes, Violet, you have to fall in line. So, you know, Violet, who had all this freedom, now feels that she's being constricted again. Um, and then Rose, who had built a life mm-hmm. is now being sort of, for lack of a better term, almost impeded on by her two sisters showing up, mm-hmm. you know? And obviously, so it is not the ideal, you know, situation for any of these ladies. Mm-hmm. So they're all trying to deal with how they're going to navigate the situation yes. and how they're navigating their own feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, all this stuff that they sort of bury deep down is, is literally boiling to the surface mm-hmm. again. You know, so I hate you because you stole my prom date or some stupid, you know, bickering kind of thing is coming up and just complicating everything. And then it's, holy crap, mom has been killed. You know, we have to find out who this is. Are they coming after us? Is this because, you know, of somebody that mom uh, assassinated? Are they going to come after us now? Poppy thinks, are they going to come after my husband? Are they going to come after my children? You know, so there's this sort of like extension and, you know, it just sort of grows, the, the, the sort of bubble starts growing more mm-hmm. of, of how this one death is really affecting all this other stuff in their lives. That is so cool. That's a great, no, because it, no, because that sounds like a great, but there, there's a lot, there's a lot more to just trying to um, avenge mom's death. It's, there's yeah. other thing I, that's going to be, that's. That sounds great. They really. Well, they're not just, they're avenging their mom. They want to avenge their mother's death, but they also have to reconcile that a lot of them still resent their mom, Mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, nobody wakes up one day and says, Hey, I'm going to train my kids to be an assassin. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody, nobody sort of 
you know, comes to that strange conclusion. Uh -huh. But Jasmine being trained that way, and that's what her parents did, she kind of felt like, well, this is just the way you do it. Yeah. And, you know, her three daughters were just kind of like, mom, nobody else's mom is doing okay. this, you know? And, and, you know, you think about the daughters themselves then have to be more and more isolated from everything else, yeah. everyone else. Mm -hmm. Because you think about like, this is the type of world that they're living in, in this house. That's obviously not something that you can tell your best friend. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot of sort of like deep seated trauma yes. and, and resentment uh -huh. that then, you know, the sisters sort of feel like, well, we're protecting each other, but at the same time, I'm still <laughs> really angry at you for something, you know, yeah. or I feel like you didn't protect me enough as a child. So. No, because it, it because it, this story really has a lot of layers to it. Oh my, that's, it sounds like a great story. It's, it's a lot of drama, a lot of like family bickering. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think, I think that it's, it's a very cathartic thing. I think each woman is going to have their own story arc and they're definitely going to change. Mm -hmm. um, and some are, are going to change for the better and some are going to change for the worse. Mm -hmm. And um, the way we present uh, each of the women in the first uh, chapter Mm -hmm. uh, everyone sort of, uh, sort of already has dead set on, you know, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy out mm -hmm. of the sisters. Um, but things are definitely going to shift. You know, the power shift is going gonna, is gonna to show up and you're really going to see um, sort of the softer side of Violet and you're going to mm -hmm. see like the harder side of Poppy. Because Poppy's like, oh, but I'm the mom. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Poppy punches mm -hmm. really, really, really hard. <laughs> So um, I, I'm I'm asking. So your this Kickstarter is it? You know, um, how, basically I'm just gonna ask how many pages is it? because it sounds like it's a it's going to be a very dense, a very good read. Uh, it's 120 pages. <sighs> okay. So it's we are doing uh, an OGN. Um, mm -hmm. When we had originally uh, conceived of this with the publisher in mind, it was going to be a five issue series. Okay. Um, but since we're doing an OGN, it's basically like five chapters. Yes. So uh, 22 pages per chapter mm -hmm. is going to how, how we're spacing it out. Um, but it's going to be 120 pages. Uh, Carola Borelli is our line artist and she's mm -hmm. fantastic. She actually yes. just finished the line work for the second chapter. She's starting the third chapter. Uh -huh. And uh, Gab Contreras is working on the colors for the second chapter mm -hmm. right now. Uh, Kevin Wada did the fantastic cover uh, mm -hmm. for the, the OGN. And um, we're really excited about it. And, and because it is a really dense story, having mm -hmm. it, you know, not having to do the month to month for the story, I think is actually even helping the story along. Yes. You know, because you can just like, you're going through like everybody's backstory and, you know, all the sort of crazy things that, you know, mm -hmm. Jasmine witnessed as, you know, as a young woman and, and, and that the, these three sisters witnessed, you know. Mm -hmm. Erica, I'm going to say is thank you very much for making it an original graphic novel because, <laughs> well, uh, well, for me, because it's like, uh, you know, I love going to the comic shop. I love buying single issues but sometimes life gets in the way and it's like two months later, I'm kind of going, wait a minute, what, what happened in the last story? And I got to try to backtrack and so forth. But, oh, this is great that you guys just did it as an original graphic novel. Yeah, it's going to be one, it's going to be one big fat book you can smack somebody with. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, um, let's see. Um, may I ask, can you talk about, because 
Is this your second Kickstarter that you're doing? This is going to be the second one, yeah. The first one was for Strange Tales, which was, uh, we took the unauthorized biography of Winston Churchill and Cheese Love Story and we colorized them. They were originally black and white. Mm-hmm. And then we created, Claire Connolly and I created a new story called Eve the Immortal Lobster. Mm-hmm. And then we put them all together in an anthology. We were actually nominated uh, for a Ringo Award for Best Anthology for Strange Tales. Um, so that was fun too. Um, and I think that it's really... Um, even though I did a a Kickstarter before this Kickstarter is newer for a couple of reasons. One, because the book is bigger. Uh, Strange Uh Tales was only uh, 80, I think it was like 82, 84 pages. Uh So this is a larger book. This is, Uh you know, 120 pages. Um, And then uh, we're also asking for more money because Strange Tales was mostly already completed. And Uh we were basically only asking for uh, $5,500 to, pay our colorists and mm-hmm. to get it printed. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, we're actually asking for 20,000. We're asking it to help finish the book off as well. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, so it's not just uh, coloring. It's also coloring, line art and printing. So it's a little more stressful on my end because I'm thinking like, oh, we're asking for more money, but you are getting a larger book. Yes. And, um, and so that, you know, sort of in my mind, that kind of balances it out. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I know you said, you know, it's a larger book. And to me, and I'm going to let the listeners know, I am going to back it up. Because Thank the you. other thing, no, you're welcome. Because it's a complete, it's a complete story, you know. It yeah. And, and I'm going to say this, you know, um, for, for others, you know, that do their Kickstarter that like, you know, puts out like an, a comic book issue per year, that, that that's, you know, it, that's fine. Because that, that's what you get, what, that's what people can do at that time. But it, but this one is like, it's nice that it's just one complete story, and that's. Great. And if it does really well, I mean, maybe I'll have the opportunity to go back and do, you know, the World War II story, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it'll show that there is an interest in this world, in this this family, in this yes. lore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if the Kickstarter does really well, so then we could look to say, okay, so let's start that World War II story. Let's. Yes. Show- grandparents let's show jasmine as a young woman being trained and things like mm-hmm. that oh okay um let's see um can can i just ask like you know um what you know um um and are you able to talk about any challenges of overcoming that you overcame in trying to do this kickstarter or anything um i mean kickstarters are not for the faint of heart they, they really are a lot of work. Um, James has been very instrumental in helping with the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, I, I think that there's a kind of a misconception that people have about like a Kickstarter and Indiegogo. I think people think it's just free money. Mm-hmm. It is not just free money. Like you don't just put up a website and people just throw money at you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to, to sit down and think, okay, what type of rewards are people going to want? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, probably the most popular reward is going to be getting the book in print. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, so then you have to figure out, okay, how much do you price that at? So a lot of people are going to want that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of analytics to it, you know, and, and because James has done multiple Kickstarters, you yeah. know, he sort of looks and says, okay, so this is wor- what worked here. This is what worked here. You know, let's try and find, um, let's try and find a unique way to sort of like really just hit the hot buttons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have tiers that are, you know, you can pledge a dollar and you get your name printed in the book. 
-huh. you can pledge $15 and you get a digital copy of the book. Uh -huh. If you want a print copy, like we said, which is probably going to be the most, the most popular tier, uh -huh. uh, $25 and you can get a print copy. Uh -huh. um, and I'm signing all the print copies. Uh, unfortunately, because uh, Carola is in Italy and Gab is in Peru, I wouldn't uh -huh. be able to have them sign it because oh if I shipped, you know, 500 books to Italy and then shipped them per to Peru and then shipped back, all the Kickstarter money would be gone. Yes. <laughs> Just in shipping costs. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I mean, I'm signing everything, but then we've got a fabulous print by Elaine Grace, this beautiful print that Elaine did. Uh -huh. uh, we've got uh, journals with the uh, Kevin Wada cover. Uh -huh. We've got temporary tattoos with, uh, with Violet's tattoo with the, uh -huh. the yellow rose, the red poppy and the purple violet. Uh -huh. um, we've got uh, for retailers, we have, you know, you could buy sort of a bulk pack of the books uh, to sell in your stores. So we have a retailer uh, tier as well. Oh, and we've got a tier where if you wanted to get drawn into the book, mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, the, the highest tier that we have um, is actually, I would do a script review. Mm -hmm. um, so you would get the book, you'd get a whole bunch of stuff, and, uh, and then I, you know, you'd send me a script and then I would do a script review for you. That is, that's pretty cool. That is, that is really cool. Um, let's see. Um, can I just ask, um, because it sounds like you already talked about the stretch, correct me if I'm wrong, you sound like you already talked about the stretch goal, well, stretch goals or the tiers. Oh, well, the, the, tiers. The, the tiers, the stre yeah. stretch goals, we, you know, it's funny because like James and I all go back and forth about like, oh, well, what should we do with stretch goals? And he's like, let's see if we hit the, you know, we hit the, the $20,000 first. Okay. You know, I mean, I have, there are other artists that I'd love to work with. Mm -hmm. So um, there are a couple of other artists that I would love to get to do new prints for. Um, uh, I was thinking maybe uh, a variant cover or something like that, depending. Yeah. But yeah. but again, like this is really all just sort of predicated on whether or not we, we hit that uh, initial goal. Yeah. Um, so I'll be stressing until we hit that initial goal first. <laughs> but I'm going to say um, what's really good is that, now correct, um, James, correct? You, James Emmett, yes. So yes, but the, good, our editor. the good thing is at least he's done Kickstarters and he's, he's, he has a plan in mind and he's trying to go, wait, let's hit this goal first before yeah. we start thinking of anything else. And, you know, and also too, what's also really good too, that at least you have some familiarity with it, doing a Kickstarter. So and I mean, also, I mean, the website itself, I mean, there's a, there's a particular kind of way to navigate the website, yes. you know, mm -hmm. certain things that you, you know, that you need to know uh, certain plate, you know, you can do a preview and you can do this and that, you know? So, I mean, just having that, that sort of literal hands-on experience with it as well, really, really helps. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, Greg Pak, who is a fantastic uh, Asian American uh, creator, mm -hmm. uh, put out a Kickstarter book, a digital Kickstarter book at his website. It's uh, gregpak.com. Mm -hmm. And Greg has, uh, it's called Kickstarter Secrets. Anybody who wants to do a Kickstarter, I, I honestly, I encourage you to go and get that book and to read it. It is a textbook to how to do a Kickstarter. It will either scare you into not doing a Kickstarter or it will empower you into doing the Kickstarter. Um, so I think that, that, you know, when we had done the Strange Tales Kickstarter, I had read that and then I sort of refreshed my memory on it before this one. Um, so that definitely helped as well. And, you know, and James literal hand on, hands on experience doing Kickstarters has helped immensely. Yeah. 
that sounds that's you guys have a plan already in set in, in motion right? knock, knock on wood we have a plan they always say if you want to you want to make god laugh make a make a plan so we'll see yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, i've heard yes i under i know <laughs> okay um i'm gonna ask um you know after i am gonna say after kickstart becomes successful and everything are you guys are you thinking of maybe moving it to indiegogo or any other other um, that was when when you had asked that question I was actually I, I was kind of curious because if because in my mind Indiegogo is is sort of like the same as Kickstarter so why would you move it to Indiegogo was is there a is there a benefit to that that I'm gonna say because that, I'm gonna be honest I that part I really don't know but I know okay. some creators what they'll do is they'll put it on Kickstarter it, it becomes successful and I and I know they'll move it to Indiegogo because I think also on Indiegogo, now I, I don't know much about this part, but there's like an in-demand part where I, I don't know if it's print on demand or anything like that. Oh, that's, that's interesting. I, but like I said, no, do your research on that. Be, you know, do your research on that. You know, yeah, um, I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't aware of that. I thought it was, I thought you were either doing Kickstarter or Indiegogo. I didn't realize yeah. that, that they had sort of, you know, I'm actually writing this down in my notebook to look into that because that's, that's interesting that, that print on demand thing. I, I had no idea about that. No, but like I said, yeah, go look into that a little further. Um, because I know I backed one, one Kickstarter, I backed one Kickstarter and I know, um, actually one creator did Kickstarter and Indiegogo at the same time. Really? And That's then I think it's still on Indiegogo. And like I said, it's, it's under their in-demand section of the website or something. Yeah. I will definitely check that out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was completely unaware that that was, that that's like a possibility. Yeah. That's something I can definitely talk to James about. Um, yeah. We have like our, our, our weekly, you know, you know, Erica gets to freak out at how stressed she is about this whole thing, but it's going to be okay meetings, you know, so we have that this weekend. So I'll definitely ask him about that because yeah, yeah I, I never heard of that. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, and like I said, again, just, just do your research because like I said, yes. it's all, it's just, it's all, it's all I saw. That's all I saw, you know? <laughs> no, I will, I will definitely do my research, but I wasn't even aware to think about that, but no, that's great. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And then also too, what's really nice is at least, you and James have a weekly meeting to kind of like, um, kind of, and no, it's not the, you know, it's not the, oh my God, but it sounds like it's like the, um, it, the, like a, a planning, it's still like a planning session or it's like, this is what we're doing. This is what we need to do within. So it, it, that sounds like, that's good that you guys are, you know, communicating on a weekly basis to make yeah, sure that it's the basically brain, brain trains already. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically status report. So, okay, so which podcast did you do this week? Um, which podcasts uh, are you doing next week? Um, do you know when the podcasts are going to come out? Because we have sort of like a running Google Doc of when the podcasts are coming out, so then we know to promote them. Yes. Um, and then, uh, okay, so it's the countdown is tomorrow. It's going to be the five-day countdown to – I just had to, like, check my calendar. Quick. It's going to be the five-day countdown uh, to the launch of the Kickstarter. So is there anything specific that we need to do? Um, when you're doing a Kickstarter, like, you really kind of have to make, like, a social media plan kind of thing. Like, mm -hmm. you know, post to Instagram once a day or post on social media and stuff. Um, so we just sort of, like, go through that and make sure that we're all on the same page. And then once the Kickstarter gets, gets going, then it'll be like, okay, we're X amount of percent toward the goal. 
or hey, we, you know, pipe dream coming out right here, but like, hey, we made the goal within 10 days. Mm -hmm. So let's start talking about those stretch goals that you sort of like thought about. Yes. You know, let's let's think about benchmarks for the stretch goals. Who are we going to talk to for these prints? You know, what are the other stretch goals we're thinking of kind of thing? Um, so, so that's, you know, but I mean, James, I, I've worked with James before and, and James really is a terrific editor. He's also an artist as well. So he's a fine artist and a, and a comic artist. And he, he not only understands the storytelling from an aesthetic point of view, but he understands like sort of the fundamentals of the storytelling and he knows exactly where your commas should go properly. <laughs> so, um, but, but he really, he does have a, a great eye for sort of the big picture as well as the minutia. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why, you know, I, I really, I'm very glad to be working with him. Um, and, and this project wouldn't be a, a tenth of as good as it is or a tenth of as organized as it is without James's help. So definitely. Oh, that's great. Like I said, you know, like I said, it's, you have everything set, you have your plan set, you know, and that's great. That, Try, I'm trying to stick no, to the plan. I'm trying to stick to the plan. No, I just, but, I, I hope there's no secondary worldwide pandemic that, you know, or some, you know, you knowing my luck, an asteroid is going to hit, you know, the day before I launch this Kickstarter. So. No, no, but like, no, you never no. know. I, yes, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but like I said, you have a great plan. You know, James is there to like, you know, you know, we need Keep to me on a leash. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on. <laughs> okay, now I know you said, you know, that you guys have, I guess, like um, one of the tiers is like a a retailer and you know retailer thing where they can buy mm -hmm. a deadly bouquet in a bulk but let's say someone misses out on this kickstarter and, and like i said i let me say that let's say someone listens to this you know any of your interview podcasts regarding the kickstarter like let's say they listen to it like in sometime in september and they're oh my god i missed out you know or um you know um you know um when and where would, you know, um, listeners who, you know, who are interested in buying, where can they buy a copy? And, you know, um, we're going to, I'm going to have it on the website. I'm going to have okay. it on ericaschultzwrites.com. Um, we are, our Kickstarter says that we're going to be shipping in January, 2022. Mm -hmm. um, my my, you know, knock on wood, we're going to get it obviously before because Corolla is super fast and Gab is super fast. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the story, like I said, I only have about 25 more pages to write. Mm -hmm. um, so if somebody in September says, oh man, I just, you know, I, I just listened to this podcast and I, and I really want to pick up the book. I'm going to have a link on my website and uh, Corolla and Gab, I don't know uh, their setup, but they might have it as well mm -hmm. saying that you can go and you can, you know, pre-order it on the website. And then this way, when we're doing the Kickstarter fulfillment, I'll just say, okay, this person wasn't a Kickstarter person, but they also wanted to order the book and, you know, and get the book out to them as well. So um, I'm going to do sort of a pre-order thing. I do also believe that Kickstarter has something set up. I want to think. I want to say it's called Backer Kit or something like that. Uh, it's something I need to talk to James about, and it's actually on my like my itinerary for for the meeting this week, mm -hmm. um, because uh, I do believe that there's something called. I, I think it's called Backer Kit where you can actually after a a campaign has has ended mm -hmm. and before it's been fulfilled, you can still order through the campaign. Oh. Um, 
So uh, I want to look into that as well, because mm -hmm. like you said, I mean, if somebody listens to the podcast yeah. and we haven't done the fulfillment yet, they can sort of add on, um, you know, onto, onto it. So I'm going to, that's, that's a part of my list of what to discuss oh. you know, later this week. Oh, okay. I, that part I didn't know about the Kickstarter. That, I that think part it's called Backer Kit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh -huh. Okay, I got to remember that the next time. If I miss a Kickstarter, then I can always go back. Okay. I think you can only do it though before the Kickstarter is fulfilled. Okay. That's the thing. Because uh, then, okay. you know, when you go to backer kit, you're kind of piggybacking onto everybody else who already, you know, backed the Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. And then this way, when fulfillment comes, you're sort of all in one big thing. Mm -hmm. But I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I could be completely wrong about that. So I have been known to be wrong. But no, me too. <laughs> so, but no, but at least for me, back in my mind, at least I can look into it at least. So. Yeah. All right. So, um, any last words about the deadliest bouquet? Um, it's about you know some kick-ass ladies. There's going to be a good amount of action, but there's going to be a good amount of drama. Um, it's 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 not a feel-good story. You know, but it's it's a it's a story about um, about people really coming to terms with their past and what their future might hold. Okay, right, Erica. Thank you very much for answering that question. Okay, so one final question of the interview part. So okay. Drew submitted this. Where do you see the comic book industry going in twenty twenty one? Um, I. I think that the, the industry is in a good place right now. I mean, between uh, publishers are doing, um, you know, obviously big two is always going to be big two. That's, you know, nobody's going to touch them. They're fine. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I see a lot of indie publishers coming up and, and putting out some really unique stories. And I think that that's important. I think, you know, I think there's room for all kinds of stories. Uh -huh. You know, it doesn't have to be superhero. It doesn't have to be, you know, romance, drama, whatever. I think there's, there's room for all kinds of stories. Um, so I like a lot of the, the smaller indie publishers putting stuff out. Um, I also think, you know, for, for some other creators, I think Kickstarter and, and Indiegogo, you know, crowdfunding is going to be an important way to get directly to the fans um, yes. and sort of cut the middleman out. And if, if, you're, if you are equipped to do that and you're, you know, organized and you want to get it done, God bless, go for it. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I, I'm still going to pitch to publishers. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm still, you know, I'm not going to say, no, every book that I put out is through Kickstarter. I'm still mm -hmm. going to pitch to publishers. Yes. But um, I think after doing this Kickstarter, I'm, I'm going to be a little less reticent. I, 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 I'm not going to be, that's the first place I'm going, uh -huh. but I'm not going to be like, oh, do I really want to do that? Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that this campaign gives me a lot more confidence to go to crowdfunding yes. um, if, if, the, uh, if I do get a rejection letter, which happens, you know. Yeah. No, but, but it just, but, it, but it sounds like to me, it's like, it, you know, for you, you have more options. Like, you know, like you said, you're still going to pitch stories, but you know, if some of them go, you know, no, not at this time, you yeah. have, you have another option and not just for you, but for other creators too. Exactly. I think, I think, you know, crowdfunding has really made it easier for other people to put their work out. And, and I think that's great. And, and once you get your work out, you might start getting paid work, which is, you know, basically is basically the ultimate goal. So. All right. So this is the part of the interview. I'm going to start doing fun questions. Okay. So if the deadliest bouquet was option for a movie, or limited series, who would you like to play the main roles? 
I, you know, I don't think about this a lot because I mean, I did like a fan cast on Twitter the other day uh, for, for Forgotten Home, but that, that was already, you know, Forgotten Home's already been out. Uh -huh. um, I don't like to think about it a lot while I'm still making the book simply because I think if you're going to make a comic, make a good comic. Yes. Um, I, I, I honestly, I don't know who I would have play anybody. Like, I, I think Regina King is a fantastic actress. Mm -hmm. And if they were willing to, to go for the role of Jasmine, then mm -hmm. God bless. I would love to have them. I mean, and they're fantastic director too. Mm -hmm. um, but I really, I don't know. It's, it's a hard question. No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I don't have the easy answer. Don't, don't, don't apologize. Don't apologize. I, 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 because I just want to change up some of the, my questions for interviews. And no, but don't apologize. But then also too, I'm going to say in the back of my mind going, um, should I really ask this question? Because, because I don't want a writer to go, okay, I'm going to have this person. I would love to see this person to play. And then all of a sudden when they start writing, that's all they're going to keep that person. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so no, don't worry. That's no problem. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, do you want to put a plug out for, um, any of your friends' Kickstarters? Hopefully if it's currently now, is, we're going to start. There is a Kickstarter that is uh, currently going on for uh, a book called Tommy Dakota. Mm -hmm. uh, it's by Dave Ebersall and Vinny Rico. It is a, um, it's a Western heist, uh, uh -huh. you know, story um, about this sort of outlaw, mm -hmm. you know, who just wants the one last big score mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing. And it's, and it's great. Uh, Vinny and Dave worked together on uh, Dash, which was a, a great detective story um, set in LA in mm -hmm. the, uh, I think in the, it's either the thirties or the forties. I think it was the forties. Okay. Um, and they got together again to do Tommy Dakota. So I think that's, that's definitely a Kickstarter that everybody should look into. Okay. All right. Um, what was your best convention moment or moments? I've had a lot of really great, can, I mean, I know somebody started a thread the other day about like, Oh, terrible convention moments. I'm like, let's talk about positive ones. Yes. Um, I had a, this is, this is probably the one that like touches my heart the most. So there was a, um, there was a uh, convention called Superheroes for Hospice. And it was a charity convention that I, that I would do a couple of, for a couple of years. And there was this little boy, he could not have been more than five or six. And he was dressed up like Kyle Rayner. And uh, he was with his mom and he was just sort of like, you know, looking through the tables and such. And uh, I said, hey, Green Lantern, where's your ring? And his mom went, ooh, yeah, that's kind of a sore subject. I was like, oh, what happened? She goes, well, we were leaving the house and everything was really busy and I forgot his ring. Um, and I was like, oh, wow. But you know what? And at the time I was still you know, doing a little art for myself. So I had my art box with me and I had some construction paper. Mm -hmm. So I got out the green construction paper and I measured, he, he had the tiniest of fingers, like skinnier than my, than my pinky. And I measured out like this tiny little ring and I drew the little, you know, green lantern shape with my, you know, I had a, a blade in my art box and, you know, a little glue stick and everything. And I made him a green lantern ring and he was so happy. He was so happy. And the mom was so happy because she was like, you just got me out of the doghouse. And every time he walked past my table, he'd be like, 
you know, <laughs> show his ring to me. It yeah. was, it was, you know, it was a really just very sweet, sweet moment. And, um, you know, and it just reminds me that, you know, something as simple as, you know, a construction paper ring can make somebody's day, you know, and really like let this kid be part of this crazy universe that, that people are creating. Um, so that was a really, really sweet moment. Um, and, and I'll remember that one for a long time. Erica, thank you. That was, that's a very nice story. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to continue on. Um, have you and your family been to Hawaii? My sister, I think, has been to Hawaii once, but I've never been to Hawaii. I would love to go, mm -hmm. um, but I know it's a really long flight. So I, I heard the trick, because we're on the East Coast, so I heard the trick was to fly to L.A., Mm -hmm. and stay in LA for a day or two to sort of start to acclimate and then fly out from, from LA to Hawaii. Um, I would love to. I mean, uh, every, every image that I've ever seen of Hawaii is absolutely beautiful. And uh, it just seems like a really amazing place, uh, just, you know, to, to a, a totally different experience. Mm -hmm. So I would love to go out to Hawaii. But, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still, you know, I have like anti-lockdown anxiety. I'm still a little nervous about like, you know, going past the grocery store these days. So I'm going to say, don't, I understand. Don't worry. Because, um, yeah, it's, yeah. Because I think right now for me, it's like, um, if there is any local conventions here, you know, for this year, it's mm -hmm. like, I'm not going, I'm, yeah. I'll wait till next year, you know? So. I think my, my sort of reticence to do conventions this year, um, I said it early in the year, even before the vaccine rollout. Um, and I was like, ah, I still don't think I'm going to do any conventions this year. So the conventions that have reached out to me, I've said, you know, thank you very much. Um, if you are able to, to reach out to me again for next year's convention, I, I would appreciate it. So. Okay. All right. Um, what is your favorite takeout place, you know, um, where you live? Um, we've got, there's a really great Cantonese place called Pink Lotus. Um, there's a really great authentic Mexican place called Crazy Burrito. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, you know, just a, lo a lo local pizzeria, Frank's local pizzeria. Um, that's basically like the three the three main takeout places, you know, unless you get like Jersey Mike's, uh -huh. but, uh, but that's really the, the three main, main places. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky. I live down the street from like a boba place. Uh -huh. I live down the street from like a great sushi restaurant. Um, I live in like a really very diverse, uh, neighborhood. Uh -huh. There's like, um, there's a great North Indian place. That's, that's not far from here too. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, um, um, and then, um, again, Mass, can you promote the Kickstarter again and um, your social media platforms? Yes, it, the Kickstarter is for a book called The Deadliest Bouquet. Um, my Twitter is Erica Schultz Writes, or excuse me, my, my Twitter is Erica Schultz 42. My Instagram is Erica Schultz Writes, mm -hmm. W R I T E S. And the uh, pre launch page, which will turn into the launch page, is on my bio. In, uh, on my social media. If you want to follow the uh, Twitter of the book, The Deadliest Bouquet, it is deadly underscore bouquet for Twitter. And it is The Deadliest Bouquet comic on Instagram. And the link is also in the bio there. 
and uh, we will be launching on May 11th. It will be a 35-day campaign, so I believe the ending date is June 15th, um, and I'm definitely going to look into uh, seeing what happens after the campaign, if people can still order the book, or if we're just going to put it um, on, you know, uh, individual websites. Okay. All right. Any last words to our listeners? Um, you know what? Uh, I had a college professor who uh, I adored. Uh, he has since passed on, but I remember when I had first graduated, I was still emailing him and he, uh, he wrote out, you know, when he signed off his email, he signed it off with read books, fall in love, dream a lot. So those are my final words. Read books, fall in love, dream a lot. Erica, thank you very much for your time. You know, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much. Um, you know, Erica, thank you for your, like I said, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you. So to the listeners, a reminder, the Deadliest Bouquet Kickstarter starts on May 11th and it'll run till June 15th. Um, like I told Erica, I'm definitely backing this Kickstarter. You know, again, a big mahalo to Eric Burnham. Eric, thank you very much for helping set up this interview. Thank you very much. Thank you, Eric. And then, you know, and I want to thank Drew, the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit, um, for putting this episode together. You know, Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And also, too, you know, if you are new to the comic book, um, the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast, please check out new episodes that come out every Saturday. And then I want to thank you, the listeners, for your time. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys, aloha. Aloha.